everyone. Welcome to Zonan Canada. I'm your host, Jesse Betteridge. This is a podcast where we explore the connections between anime and Canadian media. And uh, this episode, we're going to be talking about something that maybe I should have touched on before, but uh, it just, it wasn't important before because it wasn't anime, but now it is. So let's talk about Scott Pilgrim. Scott, Scott Pilgrim has been something of a Canadian folk hero uh, for, for many years, but uh, there's now an anime series on Netflix called Scott Pilgrim Takes Off. Been making some waves for a lot of reasons, and um, a lot of people have a lot of feelings about Scott Pilgrim for a lot of reasons. So we we got to talk about we got to talk about him on this podcast and talk about the comics and the movie and all all the things that uh, all the different ways that Scott Pilgrim has touched our lives. But most importantly, the new anime series uh, by Science Saru. And uh, joining me again are two guests you have not heard from in a very long time, and uh, I had to go out of my way to to bring them back yet again. Uh, it is Hazel and Belle. Hello, I'm Hazel, the artist of Always Raining Here and Electric Bones. Hi, I'm Belle. Um, I'm a writer, and I'm best known for two webcomics called Always Raining Here and Electric Bones. And you've had some other projects as well, which, uh, which, which we talked about way back in the other episode. Oh yeah, way back. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, we're talking about Scott Pilgrim today, and and you two have a history with Scott Pilgrim, as as I do, and as many do. Scott Pilgrim takes off as something I would normally do a full retrospective episode on, uh, like I do with anything that has a like imp- unique cultural relevance or history in Canada. But it's brand new, so you can't really do a full retrospective on it. But let's. I want to take a look at just Scott Pilgrim in general. Scott Pilgrim started as a graphic novel by Brian Lee O'Malley back in and. 2004 that uh, went on till 2010 and it spawned a movie it spawned a video game uh, it spawned the, uh, the the recent anime series and O'Malley went on to do a whole bunch of other work uh, and I, I just want to get started uh, just just look very quickly looking at this new anime and this is old Jesse chiming in from the distant future and incidentally I am also 37 years old uh, so during the editing process, I discovered that in our haste to talk about the new Scott Pilgrim show, that I completely neglected to actually explain what Scott Pilgrim is. The title character is a lovable loser living in Toronto. He's unemployed, is a complete moocher, and shares a bed with his cool gay roommate, Wallace Wells. However, he's surrounded by countless cool and quirky friends, plays in a band called Sex bob with his friend Stephen Stills and ex-girlfriend Kim Pine, and just happens to be very popular with the ladies. One day he meets the girl of his dreams, Ramona Flowers, and I mean literally in his dreams because she delivers packages for Amazon using subspace highways, one of which conveniently passes through Scott's brain. They do get together, but soon afterwards Scott discovers that in order to date Ramona, he must defeat her seven evil exes in combat. Thankfully he lives in a video game infused world where these types of fights are typical, and he just so happens to be the best fighter in Ontario. The story commits itself to this crazy premise, but as it progresses it becomes much more focused as a journey of self-realization for Scott, who is honestly kind of a shitty person. Uh, It should be emphasized that Scott Pilgrim is not autobiographical, and Scott is really not a a self-insert of O'Malley, but more like a representation of someone living the kind of life that he would have liked to live while living in Toronto. You two have been fans for a very long time, and I want to know, when you heard about this new anime that Netflix was going to launch in 2023, uh, what was your feeling or reaction to that? I thought that we were going to see, finally get an animation of Scott Pilgrim, like the, the comic. 
the comic that we the, the original the, the original thing that has been adapted again and again because the movie adapted the first three volumes ish and then kind of skipped over the last few and we haven't actually seen a lot of the comic in any kind of media other than comic form so that was what you were hoping for that was what i was expecting <laughs> and i think i was in the same vein where i wanted to see this stuff being animated so you were you were hoping not just expecting but hoping that it would be like a a more or less fully accurate adaptation of the original comic from beginning to end done it doesn't done as an animated series I wouldn't even say hoping. I think I was expecting it to be, yeah. but I didn't have like any reason to expect anything otherwise because the adaptations have almost like I think the the game might have had a different different story, but I think most of the adaptations stick to the source material pretty closely. Honestly, when I heard that they were doing this series, I was completely not excited about it at all. Like my reaction was like, "You're doing this now in like almost twenty years later. You're now finally doing an animated series that adapts Scott Pilgrim. Like what 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 is the like, this is a, we're past the point where you can do this. Like, this is the story, this is an animated series that should have happened in 2010, or like 2009, or something around that time. This is a, this story is like not, I'm not saying it's an outdated story, but it's like very much of the time it was told. And it, it feels weird to even do it as a period piece now. And I was very puzzled as to why this project was even happening. You know, they announced things like the original cast from the movie was coming. We saw some clips. It looked pretty good. Of course, they got science, uh, Masaki Yuasa's Science Saru Studio doing it. And it looked like they had a good grasp on making the style work uh, in animated form. The the performances were, you know, obviously seemed a little stilted even in the clips that they chose to, to show off. So, you know, I wasn't sold on the project. But obviously, I, I will say personally, my reaction was a lot different when I saw the final product in the end. Uh, I was glad that it went in a different direction. If you haven't seen Scott Pilgrim Takes Off, just we, we're, we're going to probably spoil the whole thing in this podcast. But yeah, basically, don't watch this. Yeah, don't listen to this if you don't haven't watched it yet. But Unless you don't plan yeah, on watching it. Or if you don't plan it. on watching it. Uh, but starting from the end of the first episode, uh, there's a very important change where Matthew Patel defeats Scott Pilgrim instead of the other way, or supposedly defeats Scott Pilgrim instead of the other way around, and the story branches off in a drastically different direction. It winds up being a deconstruction of the Scott Pilgrim story. And I think for what it is, for the the end purpose of making an animated series of Scott Pilgrim now in 2023, I liked it. I was I was impressed. I thought they did a I thought this was a good approach to take with it for what they were trying to do. Um, and I was ultimately more satisfied than I think I would have been if we had gotten a, uh, a long delayed accurate adaptation. But I think we all have kind of have complex feelings about it. Did, did, did anything you wanted to say about that kind of before we delve into it? Or do you want so, to save your thoughts of what you, you thought of the end product for you, later? Bell goes for, can are, go first. Are we going to talk about our history of Scott Pilgrim? You know what? First? Like how... Let, Art. Yeah, I think maybe I'm opening too much of a can of worms by getting into our full thoughts of the, the anime first. So um, may, maybe let's talk about our individual backgrounds with Scott Pilgrim. Belle, what's what's your background yeah, sure. with Scott Pilgrim? Because I, I do think that my experience with Scott Pilgrim also kind of like leads into how I how I like it and how I understand the anime and how I understand the comic. Like they're they're 
So I got into it because I picked up the free comic from Free Comic Book Day. Um, that this was around the time, like the one or two volumes have been published. Yeah, it was right, or maybe th- right yeah. before three came out. So that would have been two thousand six, I think. Yeah, I I think it was a bit later than that, though. It wasn't the same year. The the free comic. It was it wasn't one of the new ones. It was like one that they had from the previous year oh, that I okay. picked up. Yeah. Um. So it wasn't the year it came out. It was. I think it might have been the like two thousand eight or something. Um, and I picked this up and I was, I was immediately intrigued in it because the, the free comic book day little insert is just this little story, but it's, it's silly. Um, it was, the art style was fun. It has this like sort of kind of anime, kind of not anime feeling. And it's, uh, it was just refreshing and funny. And I ended up purchasing the three volumes, I think at that time and read them all. And I really liked it. I think that it definitely had an impact on how I write comics. I don't think it's an exaggeration to say that because of the way that they ha- that Brian Lee O'Malley does humor is so refreshing to read. Um, it might not be refreshing now, but back then that was unique and special. <laughs> it was it was different than it, even now. Actually, I I just read the the final volume just as a refresher, and it it's still it's still good. So I think when I'm thinking about Scott Pilgrim, the anime, I'm kind of not really thinking about it as like, oh, this is a story that's a product of its time. It's a time capsule. I think it's still a good story that would be relevant even if it's so centered on these, like, the daily life, basically, of 20-year-olds living in Toronto. It's, it's, uh, I think it's, it's pretty timeless. Yeah, I guess that's a good point because a lot of stories that we like consume, they're also set in their own time period. You don't necessarily think of them as a time capsule. It's just that we witness this coming out, so it's like hard for us to put that into perspective, I feel like. Also another thing too is that Separate. while this was coming yeah. out, we were experiencing our like late teens and early twenties at the same time these characters were as the story was unfolding. So there was a a lot of it kind of feels like our youth as well. Like this as the same time as Scott's. Like I think Scott was older than me when I started Scott was definitely older than me when I started reading it, but then it's a, uh, I don't know, it was, it's, it's something special like that. So my history with Scott Pilgrim was, uh, if you watched the previous episode, you would have heard my story about meeting Belle at the anime club. Um, this is kind of a continuation of that. She put like a pile of books, not on my desk, uh, <laughs> metaphorically on my desk. Um, she would give me things as soon as I finished them. I think there was at least like five or six different things that you made me yeah, like consume like any like any good friend would any good friend and i i did read them i'm not sure if i made you read anything but that's okay uh <laughs> and anyway scott program was one of the things and i did like it i think it was the first like this was in 2009 so yeah or do, no not yeah 2009 fall 2009 early 2010 um probably read it around that time and it was, it was fun to read and we liked it and we were keeping up with the releases until the movie came out. I guess that was in 2010, right? The movie came out in 2010. So I remember being really excited for the movie to come out <laughs> and then, yeah, the movie was the I movie, think we so. went with the anime club. A few, I, I was with you guys. It was, I don't think it was a formal anime club event, I think. 
a mm-hmm. bunch of it was a bunch of friends who loved Scott Pilgrim. Just friends, yeah. All 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 together. And then yeah. I remember when we went to Toronto in like for the first time for TCAF. Was that it? I, that might have been in like 2012 I think or 2013. Uh, okay, yeah, it was, it was like May 2012, and we had our first book. No, I think this was in 2013. Um, we went to, like, all the Scott Pilgrim locations. Like, the Toronto Reference Library is set as one of the locations that's in Co- Scott Pilgrim where, like, the Knives fight happens. So we were, like, excited to be there. And that's where TCAF is. And then we went to, like, Honest Ed's. We went to, like, one of the bars. Like, I think TCAF was even holding the, like, TCAF was holding its party in the Scott Pilgrim bar. Like, the TCAF party. So that was fun. And just, yeah, some castle. We went to, like, a castle. So we basically had a Scott Pilgrim tour the first time we went to Toronto. So that was a fun way to, like, start knowing the city as, like, someone from Vancouver. Yeah. With... And I feel like that's my my main history with it is like through Belle liking it more than me, and I'm sort of like the <laughs> I'm just a little follower with that. <laughs> um, yeah, I I remember when I went to Toronto, not for the first time, but for the first time like as an adult. Uh, most of the landmarks that, or or the, a lot of the the best landmarks from Scott Pilgrim, like the the way you mentioned it, kind of as like as a t- as a time capsule of that time, and it does preserve some things about toronto that are gone now like honest eds i didn't honest i didn't eds. get to go to honest eds yeah. um or sam I'm and sorry. like sam the record man and that stuff it's they're gone forever and and i missed out i missed out on cool toronto toronto is just mostly whatever with like with with one cool neighborhood now basically for such a large city <laughs> um but uh yeah despite the fact that i didn't get to toronto till quite a bit later uh, i i am also a scott pilgrim hipster uh, I did, well, actually, I, I, the first Scott Pilgrim thing I read was the free comic book day comic on the year it came out, uh, but it was actually my friend from the UK, Lee, who brought my attention to it, because I was, um, I was, I was, this was back when I, I, uh, I thought I wanted to read Western comics, and I was just like, what Western comics are good? And he's like, oh, you like manga, so you like Scott Pilgrim, and oh, and you're Canadian, and you like Scott Pilgrim. And he was right. I like Scott Pilgrim a lot. I still have the original, the original <laughs> three volumes. They are vi- I, I reread them before this podcast. They are very well loved. Uh, those, those first three volumes that I got. Mine, mine is covered in water damage. Oh no! <laughs> like those <laughs> things got passed around. Like yeah. that, this was how you would pass the story yeah. to like a friend. You would give them your book. I did the same. So I, many people have read. Yeah, it. I did the same with the my fir- the last three volumes are in better condition because I didn't I didn't pass those around as much. But like those. Those, uh, my first three volumes are, are, are well-worn. I have the original spine and Julie doesn't have glasses. So these are like <laughs> the really early ones. Um, mm-hmm. but yeah, I, uh, I love Scott Pilgrim a lot. He is a true, fo- again, a true folk hero, uh, to, to, to me and many others. Uh, and yeah, I was, uh, really excited when the movie came out. Uh, I, I, I liked it. Okay. It's not. Maybe we'll talk about it a, little, a bit more later, but uh, I, I thought it was, um, I, I really enjoyed watching that. I did always think that there should have been a Scott Pilgrim animated series. You know, they back when the movie came out, they did that short for Adult Swim. It was done by Titmouse Studios. It was Scott Pilgrim versus the animation. Uh, it's on YouTube. It's on, if you have the movie on, on DVD or Blu-ray, it's included on there too. And it's basically adapting the flashback of how Scott and Kim got together. And it's not the best animation in the world, but 
you know, it, it replicates the style well. It demonstrates how the style works in animation. Uh, they get the, the the cast from the movie in, and they do a pretty good job in that short, I think. And it, and I feel like, you know, that, that should have been a whole series. Like, I feel like now that we have this new sort of deconstructive Scott Pilgrim series on Netflix... It, it still feels like we kind of missed a step by not having the more direct, literal adaptation that maybe didn't have very good animation quality and was a little bit of a disappointment in some day, some ways, but still brought the story to life in a way that was endearing. I feel, I feel like that's something that should yeah. have happened and didn't. And it's like... I feel... Yeah. I agree. And that, that's always kind of disappointed me. But, again, so after so long for an animated series to finally drop, I just... To me, it, it like the that idea felt um, just just kind of irrelevant at this point. Uh, but I, uh, I I did enjoy what we got, but there's a lot still. I there are some reservations and a lot to say. There's a lot to be a lot to be said about it. Yeah. Um, just expanding on why Scott Pilgrim resonated with us. I one thing that I always liked about it again because I was looking for a Western comic to read. And this was very like manga. And I think I think a reason, and I, I like to hear your thoughts on this too. I think a reason that Scott Pilgrim was such a big deal was because this came out at a time when all the comic publishers were trying to replicate the success of manga and releasing their own take on manga. And Scott Pilgrim was by far the most successful attempt at crea- like doing this, at creating a Western manga. Because usually the publishers, when they were trying to make their own versions of it, they would usually, you know, try to deny why manga was so successful, like the 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 basic elements of the medium that made uh, manga a commercial success in both Japan and in the West. Or they would learn the wrong lessons from it, or they would basically just make these very orientalist attempts at imitating the style without really understanding how it's supposed to be constructed. But with with Brian Lee O'Malley his take on doing like a, a manga style book. Like he followed the, the construction of how manga was made, like having two page layouts and with the panel composition, uh, the set, the way sound effects are used with the use of contrast. Um, and he always almost seems to kind of in his own way, backwards engineer, like the sensibilities that go behind an anime aesthetic, but he builds a unique style on it. That's how I've always seen it. And I've always been really impressed by that. But e- even with all, all of the, uh, the, elements that go into the form of Scott Pilgrim. Uh, it, you know, it, it has like just a really wild premise. You could explain to someone in one sentence. The characters are fun. It has these like really, really funny, irreverent conversations. It has such good fashion all the time. Brian Lee O'Malley puts so much emphasis on fashion and just making Toronto in a, like a cool setting. And because he very much thought of Toronto that way. Cause he didn't live in, he, he's not from Toronto. He's actually from London, Ontario, but he, he lived there for three years, which is long enough to get the impression that Toronto was cool. And I, I, I like the way he conveys that in the comic. It definitely came across in, yeah. yeah. Did you two have any thoughts on, like, why Scott Pilgrim was able to become such a success? Well, I can specifically talk about why I was attracted towards it. Because, like, if you're a kid... I mean, kid being like 17, 18 years old or whatever, and you're leafing through, you're at a comic book store, uh, surrounded by Western Cape comics, and you're trying to find something new to read. There's a corner of the store that has manga in it, and you're familiar with some of the manga, but 
not all of it. Um, and, but I, I always like Western stuff too. Like, I think that I was interested in reading more Western stuff, but also a lot of Western stuff is ugly. Um, and that was always a really a hurdle for me to go over is that there's a lot of, like, this is, this is in 2008 or whatever. So like to my eye, there wasn't a lot from Western comics that really caught my eyes. Like this is something that I want to read. Because manga, the reason why I think I originally got into manga is because it was so pretty. And it really appealed to me visually. Um, so Scott Pilgrim caught my eye because of... It was... Immediately it looked... Had the, the kind of... There was something pretty about it. Like, it what, maybe pretty is the wrong word. It, it looks really, really visually appealing. Kind of like how manga does. But it doesn't look like manga. It's anime inspired. It is inspired, yeah. but it's like it's it's still like very Western. Everything about it is Western, but at the same time, it's like anime inspired or manga inspired. Um, and I also uh, was interested in it because it had gay characters in it, and that's like a big feature of the one comedy. of the greatest gay characters ever. At that too, <laughs> exactly. He's, he's great. I love who doesn't love Wallace, and of course, like I'm I'm looking for more comics about gay characters all the time. And there's not very much of that in Western comics at this point. Barely anything. So I'll take what I can get. And I, what I took was a great story. It, it was like, that's, that's why I was willing to buy it and give it a chance was because I wanted to like, I was, I was, that was the extra push that I was interested in. It's like, uh, the gay characters, let's, 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 let's get this a shot. And it's like, this is, this is a great story. So that's why I got into it specifically. My, my that wasn't I'm just, the answer. Yeah. No, no, that's, <laughs> yes, I think yeah. that's a, that's what draw, drew you to Have it. you read O'Malley's other comics, like Lost at Sea and, and Seconds and, uh, and Snot I Girl? I read the first two of Snot Girl and I bought Seconds, but I didn't read it. <laughs> so it's on my shelf. How about I, I have read all, um, all, I've only read one volume of Snot Girl. I thought it was okay. I feel that collaborating with someone has uh has changed O'Malley's approach um a little bit because he's definitely someone who puts himself into a lot of his work and I think he's uh changed it up a little bit for the first time with with Snot Girl but the art like Leslie Huang's art is is very pretty I like it a lot I'll probably read more um it it does seem like he, he he's trying to come up with lots of you know fun relatable characters the same way that he does with with Scott Pilgrim but it's not not quite clicking quite as naturally, or maybe it's just because it's set in L.A. and everyone seems a lot phonier, which is a theme in that comic for sure. Um, but I, I am I, yeah. I'm finding that I, I reread Lost at Sea before this podcast, and it's the thing that strikes me at Lost at Sea. It's it's a coming of age story, and it captures the definitive experience of being 18, which Brian Lee O'Malley could be very authoritative on because he was 22 at the time, and that and it. <laughs> Reminded me, Sounds familiar. and it, you know, it, it's fine. It's a little, it's a, it's a little, um, it's a little dry. It's not like a like a really fun story or anything. Uh, it's it's a little navel gazy. Uh, but it did it did sort of highlight something about Brian Lee O'Malley's writing to me, which is that I know when you're critically looking at writing, knowing the age of the author is something that um, you know usually becomes apparent, or is it a, it's sort of something you'll inevitably focus on. Um, it is something you will hyper fixate on with with Brian Lee O'Malley. Uh, he how old he is when he wrote a specific thing is is incredibly obvious. 
Um, Lost at Sea oh, is yeah. written by someone who, uh, who who is just in their very early 20s. Scott Pilgrim is the life you wish you had in your 20s, but while you're in your 20s. Um, that's sort of the, the, the vibe that has seconds. Very much written by someone in their early 30s who uh, is, is kind of looking back on their career in kind of a, a, um, in, in a perplexed way. Uh, and yeah, Brian Lee O'Malley puts himself into his work in a, in a, in a weird way. Y- and you can say the same about you the You can say the same about the cartoon. Anime. Or every part of Scott Pilgrim <laughs> past the first volume. It's like he, when he did that first volume, he was just like, he started with a, like a really weird premise uh, that, you know, a catchy premise that has a really bizarre out of nowhere kind of ending. And it seems that every volume after that is looking at this idea like, oh, Scott actually sucks. We need to focus on how Scott sucks and make it clear that this this guy sucks. Uh, and th- that's not a bad thing. I think it's it, it's really good because it it's a really great way of illustrating his character growth and self self-realization and it's satisfying to read in that comic. But Scott Pilgrim takes off is sort of taking that to a new level. Uh, Brian Lee O'Malley, I know that when he, they first approached him about doing this animated series, it was um, the, the showrunner is a guy named Ben David Grabinski, and he's done, I think he's done a couple of their shows for Netflix. And he was trying to get this project together with Science Saru Studios, and they wanted, uh, they, they wanted to get Brian Lee O'Malley's approval. And he would only do it if he could do something radically different and go back and um, sort of revisit his work. Uh, and I fi- I am, yeah, I'm 100% not surprised. I didn't know that, but I already got the impression when I was watching. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, maybe let, let's jump into Scott Pilgrim Takes Off. We'll talk about the other stuff uh, in, in relation to that. Um, sure. maybe, maybe here's a question. Do you think that the story of Scott Pilgrim needed to be deconstructed the way that this show does? No. No. (laughs) No. (laughs) But I am not Brian Lee O'Malley, and I don't have control over the story that I wrote in that... I understand why it happened. I understand why it exists in this format. But it didn't need to happen. My reaction while watching... Okay, are we just going straight into talking about it? or are you going to give us some Scott, Scott Pilgrim <laughs> takes off. It follows the first volume, basically, up until the point where Scott battles the first evil ex-boyfriend, Matthew Patel. And supposedly what happens is Matthew Patel wins. It's a little more... What actually happens is a little more complicated than that. But it basically spends several episodes exploring the idea of what if Scott lost and what if Scott was just not there. It's called Scott Pilgrim takes off because he is very much not present for the majority of the show. And it mostly follows Ramona trying to figure out what happened in to theory. Him. And, yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, and it, it, you know, it casts a different light. It, it basically creates opportunities for the, the characters to all ha- take on different roles and interact in different ways. Uh, it, it is kind of interesting because they don't, they don't throw away the idea of the, the league of evil ex-boyfriends or League of Evil Axes, but they kind of go back and say, hey, this doesn't actually make any sense. Maybe let's go back and try to figure out what this is and, and take it in a different direction. I, I will say, I found that really interesting, and I like the fact that the Evil Axes all play different roles now and interact with the other characters in different ways. But that's sort of the basis of what, uh, of what Scott Pilgrim takes off is. 
Yeah, I feel like my or my feelings changed as I wa- progressively watched, starting from the first episode. Like, sitting down to watch... The first episode is very much, like, recreating the first volume, like, almost completely. Like, all, a lot of the jokes are there, and it's like... And then I was feeling nostalgic watching the first episode. I don't know if I wanted to see the whole thing being retold, but I wasn't going to protest it because I thought that it would be nice to see it animated, like the whole thing. But then at the end, Scott uh, dies or whatever. They think that Scott dies, and I thought that that would be refreshing. And I was like, oh, this is going to be refreshing. We're going to see a different kind of take on the story. So I thought originally the idea was interesting. <laughs> the premise was interesting. Um, but then as it went on, I think some of the episodes were okay. Or like delve in, del- delved into Ramona's backstory and feelings or whatever. But then some of them were just, yeah. Or like that I started like waking up to what was actually happening in episode four, which was mostly action and comedy. And not, like, uh, what the original Scott Pilgrim is kind of like, which is more down-to-earth and, like, Toronto-based. And then we got to the yeah. end. <laughs> and then, yeah. Uh, yeah, I I think that we had to, because we watched it together, so we have a similar experience about, like, oh, I was I was probably looking forward to watching it more than, than Hazel was, but, and I was interested in the idea of it taking a different direction. But I felt like the direction it took, the ambition it took, kind of entirely lost the essence of Scott Pilgrim while it took that direction. So while I really enjoy reading Scott Pilgrim, I didn't enjoy watching what I was watching because it wasn't even in the same kind of genre. It was a different, it was, it was maintaining the characters, like the characters were all there. They're all the same names. They were all kind of doing similar things. But they kind of felt like parodies of themselves. Like, at some point, I was just like, this feels like a crack fan fiction that somebody wrote. It feels, it's like, it 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 feels like they're, everyone's a kind of a caricature of themselves in a way because they're not interacting at a party, a low-key party scene. They're constructing skateboard ramps in somebody's apartment. Like, it does, it had no basis in the same universe even like it's it felt very odd to watch and it kind of felt frustrating too because it didn't even feel like the like it it didn't feel like the same story at all um but at some point um it was it was right after the young neil writing the script episode alex turns to me and she says brian leo malley kidnapped scott pilgrim it's Brian Lee O'Malley who wrote the script the script on there. And I was thinking, oh my god, we're getting like a, a we're gonna get this like bizarre deconstruction happening here. Like I wasn't thinking time. That travel. was what I, I was, was expecting. Thinking, yes, you were expecting the author himself to form out of the yeah. out of Because we were in getting this... we literally had like uh Edgar Wrong in there and Edgar Wrong like, played by Kevin Played by Kevin McDonald. <laughs> that was. I was like, Brian is going to show up now. Um, and he's the one, he's going to say, I don't really like, want to tell the Scott Pilgrim story again. And I thought that would be pretty honest because that's how I was feeling when I was watching and it. And the actual explanation of what's happening in the show is not that far off from that. <laughs> yeah. it no. <laughs> we, it no. Is... And, and then if you, you, you do metaphors, you're like, Scott is Brian. And you're like, yeah, it was basically Brian who kidnapped yeah. Scott. It's it's old. It is but, uh, old Scott 
from the year 20 well i think it was the year 2023 or um 25 2025 i I think in an interview o'malley said that if you try to go back if you if you were to go back in time and explain to yourself in 2004 what 2023 was you it would sound completely insane Uh, and i think it does capture that (laughs) well but (laughs) yeah like the yeah o'malley just really seems to have major hang-ups on his work and he just like seems insistent on going back and and pulling it apart and trying to get everyone to agree with him on that and i uh, i do think that he's wrong <laughs> he's he, i think he's wrong I, I do think that he's wrong i don't think that this level of scrutiny uh or or regret uh really suits scott pilgrim that was the story. He's dec- he's taking yeah. A, yeah, he's changing it. Yeah, he's changing it. And for better or I mean, you can compare this to something like the rebuild of Evangelion movies. And I will I will say Evangelion is a story that's much better suited to this type of like wild, incredibly over the top deconstruction that of course. Uh but one thing that kind of makes this good is that it's very accessible. Someone could watch this series and you could completely follow it, even if you've never seen the movie, even if you've never read the comics, even if you're not really that familiar with Scott Pilgrim. Everything is laid out really clearly. Everyone is introduced well. Everything is explained. Um, it's it's just really simple to follow, and I thought that I thought I thought that made it stand out against a lot of other deconstructive sort of re-explorations of an old property. Uh, so I, I liked that a lot, and, and of course, the, it's absolutely gorgeous. It. The animation is great. Oh, the, yeah. the blurriness, trying to simulate camera focus, is, is a little weird and distracting. But for the most part, it uh, everything looks really great, really pops, really emphas- really shows how the style of Scott Pilgrim is suited for animation. So it was it was great that we got that. Overall, despite the fact that I don't think that the the level of deconstruction was necessary, I still thought that it worked. Um, I I wouldn't go as far as to say that it was like like fan fiction. Definitely a new take on things and it is based on unused ideas that O'Malley had too so I mean there's a little of that he's getting to kind of execute ideas he wanted to execute and wasn't able to before so I don't think it's entirely an exercise in self-loathing I think there is some some love for what he created being put in there the expansion on Gideon I think kind of worked too um maybe it was more than we needed to know about him but it it, I I thought it still it still worked really well I I like the fact that he always wore no fear shirts. That was a very funny gag. I, 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 I yeah. yeah, I have complaints. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I should talk about the things that I liked about Scott yeah. Pilgrim Takes Off. Let's talk about the, the things <laughs> okay. we liked about Scott Pilgrim Takes Off, the anime series on Netflix. The animation. On Netflix.com. Um, so I liked the animation. I liked the style of it. And actually, it, the the amount of care and effort that the the team seemed to be putting into it was like evident. Um, I love the music, and I think that the the couple times that we got to see the band performing were really it reminded me of Beck. It kind of had that like oh I like I like watching the opening yeah. theme directly references Beck. There are several shots in mm-hmm. the opening that are directly replicating shots from the, the opening credits of Beck, which is cool because Beck was on Much Music in 2007, which was like at the time when the comic was, you know, really 
really growing in popularity. It was not not quite at obviously its peak was when the movie came out, but it was really starting to to grow and accelerate and build an audience. And I don't think that was intentional, uh, because if they were, it would be very weird if they got that kind of detail down, but also used the American spelling of color in the opening credits. Um, <laughs> but I, I still I thought that was neat and I appreciated that uh, and. And the way, it, it, again, kind of captures that that energy the same way that, that Beck did. Yeah, the energy from that kind of time yeah. period. Um, yeah, I I liked all of those things. I liked the voice acting, actually. I know that some people were saying that the voice acting was a bit stilted, but I thought it really suited the story and the characters, like the sort of down-to-earth, relaxed style that wasn't super, I don't know, yeah. exaggerated or anime style. Because they're all... I like that. Yeah, they're, li- they're, they're live-action actors who al- almost the entire cast mm-hmm. came back. Pretty much the only um, recast was the Katayanagi brothers, who were played by Julian Sihi, who doesn't seem to have been in anything ever that I've ever heard of. Um, mm-hmm. Interesting. Yeah. I, I, it, it is kind of weird and stilted in a lot of places, and I think that some... Everyone was trying. I think everyone... I feel like... The awkwardness kind of goes with Scott. Yeah, it, it has there's kind of a Charlie like, there's kind of a Charlie Brown cadence to it that is charming, uh, <laughs> and I especially like this with young Neil. Uh, I, I <laughs> he's he's so weird and awkward, and I think Johnny Simmons kind of realizes that he didn't know how to voice act, but he knew he knew what young Neil's should sound like, and I think he mm-hmm. I think he did a good job with that. If we're thinking yeah, I, about things to complain about. Voice acting is definitely not on my list. Yeah, I that's like a non-issue. And if you me. watch the Japanese version, there's some uh, very like it's it's a great cast in Japanese. Um, you you have like uh, I Rosa, who's like the the voice of power from from Chainsaw Man, and and Jolene from uh, JoJo's Bizarre Adventure as Ramona, and and, and she's great. It's a, it's a solid cast in Japanese. The the highlight is um, Old Scott is actually voiced by Fumihiko Tachiki, who is the voice of Gendo from Evangelion. Uh, and, and That sounds perfect. And that sounds better than the English the version. The Will Forte, yeah. But you all, and in Japanese, you do get to hear him sing Konyawa Hurricane from Bubblegum Crisis as oh, well. Oh, that's who old Scott was. Yeah. yeah, Will Forte, yeah. I thought that it was weird. Because <laughs> Ramona had the same voice. Yeah, yeah. It's... it's um, <laughs> Definitely, definitely a choice um, there. Yeah. For my good things that I liked, obviously, I like the animation. I like the uh, the few and far between Canadian locations. Like the first episode was basically perfect. Um, and yeah, seeing that Canadian vibe, you know, the Can Con, um, the Canadian music. We had the metric in there. Some other ones, um, just like those throwbacks songs that it had. Except for, I think, the Vampire Weekend song. I didn't think that was t- time appropriate. <laughs> uh, I don't know when that came out, actually. And then, obviously, I liked Wallace. Uh, everything with Wallace was good, you know. The w- With him in the, in the Flash Forward episode. And, like, the whole fla- Flash Forward episode in general was fun. I felt like I was like my disbelief was being suspended in that with Scott there. And yeah, I like the episode with Roxy too. Um, Bella and I both uh, agree that was a good one where 
like Ramona was apologizing to Roxy was it felt like something that needed to happen. I, I was gonna actually say too. I forgot to mention that I liked having Matthew as the leader instead of Gideon because I never I never liked Gideon mm-hmm. that much. Although it might be on purpose, he kind of just feels like now him and the twins were not very well fleshed out as characters in the original. Yeah, movie. and that's and a lot of the ex- they they, yeah. they kind of go back and give more attention to those characters in that that's that, that yeah. was definitely very noticeable in this, and I I, I appreciated that. Yeah, yeah, I, I I do too. And um, the honestly, all the exes kind of got like you got to spend more time with them. You got to see their quirky sides. That was all, all fun. Like I don't really have a problem with any how the, any of the exes were really handled in terms of like seeing more of their character. Um, yeah, the the Roxy's episode was definitely the like one of the best ones because you did get to have like see how Ramona broke her heart <laughs> and. I don't know. I, I always felt like she was probably the most well-rounded of the exes in terms of, like, her relationship with Arona, so that was nice to see. I, I think we, we kind of touched on the the things I liked the most. Um, again, the animation style, the re-exploring different character dynamics, some some fun voice acting performances. I, 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 I love how C- Chris Evans clearly can't voice act, but he's just... He's just yes. giving it his all <laughs> in every line delivery. <laughs> it's, so, it's so great. Um, and my, Michael, Sarah, and Mary Elizabeth Winstead both had, had, uh, had good takes, but interestingly, Michael Sarah sounded very different, uh, with his performance here than he did in the old Scott Pilgrim versus the animation short. Uh, but I thought it worked really well. Um, Aubrey Plaza was kind of a little yeah, disappointing because yeah. she, she has done voice acting before. And I think she gave some very, some very bad reads. Uh, but, but overall it was, it was, you know. Good performances, pretty. It might have been the lines too, because like I feel like it. Her character was kind of out of character. I mean, she 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 pretty much becomes <laughs> yeah, yeah. a supervillain in this. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I know. <laughs> I kind of liked that, but yeah, that was uh, that was a choice for sure. Yeah, so let's talk about let's talk about Brian Lee O'Malley a little bit. Uh, so I, I think very obvious uh is <laughs> very obvious that um his divorce in 20 i think 14 uh had a big influence on on this series uh if you read back if you go back and read the original books uh you'll see he dedicated um each one to his uh his then wife hope larson uh and he put i think she, I mean, she she's basically his. She was basically his Ramona. I mean, he, I think he he more or less explicitly said that at times, if if I'm not mistaken, or he, if he didn't explicitly say it, he made it he made it very clear. Uh, and right. I think yeah. he did explicitly yeah. say it. And man, like we we basically get uh, uh, him trying to grapple with that with these characters, making some sort of unfortunate and unnecessary revelations about where their lives would have gone after the the comic ended and i guess maybe this is the most the most problematic thing about how it um about the dialogue that it has with the original comic is that uh it it gives a very pessimistic direction to where it had to go in order to loop back in time and give us a deconstruction that we get with um with scott pilgrim takes off I, I think you you two are kind of on the same page on that. Yeah. Yeah. And I guess he's saying that old Scott is the Scott from the comic. 
Yeah, he basically is. And then, <laughs> and the and the twenty twenty three yeah. that we see depict, or the twenty twenty five that we see depicted in the future is where the comic goes canonically. This is what happens after volume six of Scott Pilgrim. <laughs> so while I was maybe this is getting a bit too into the weeds specifically about old Scott, but I guess. I just wanted to say this because when old Scott, like the not the not the kind of old Scott, like the very old Scott, the bandana Scott, really when he old showed Scott. up, really old Scott. When he showed yeah. up, I had explained that he had spent the past ten years training. Yeah. I was offended on behalf of the character because I felt like for Scott, it was completely out of character to spend ten years working that hard for anything. <laughs> because <laughs> um, scott's not really that type of character he's he's like moping he's kind of feels bad for himself but he doesn't have like that type of superhero motivation because he can't talk to his partner properly like that doesn't seem like him at all and i was i found the whole last episode to be like i i was just i i was kind of stunned i wasn't i was baffled because I didn't see this character turning into that at all. Like, it wasn't even, like, there's there's no roots for this character to become this. But then when I was looking up online that it was possibly, the like, this is this is kind of a personal thing about O'Malley's own divorce, I was like, this makes sense now. Because this isn't about Scott, this is about him. And the Scott was never, the, the, the character that I see as Scott, O'Malley is seen as an avatar. Yeah. That definitely was impacting the final episode a lot. More so than the other episodes. So I do I do think, again, like I kind of mentioned before, a theme of Scott Pilgrim is that Scott Pilgrim is a loser. Uh, and, mm-hmm. but he comes to grips with that. And, and also he, he like, he, you know, Scott, Scott Pilgrim, he's popular with the ladies, but he, he very, he, he does kind of use women to get over his problems sometimes. But again, mm-hmm. this, this is something that, the original text grapples with within the context of his character. And he, you know, he's not perfect in the end, but he, he improves, he becomes self-aware. He, uh, is able to like be more, like give more of himself in, in relationships and respect himself more and, and, and all those things. And it ends on the note that he, he and Ramona are going to like sort of grow together and, you know, find, find their own ways in dealing with these things in the end. And, to yeah. to be hung up on the pro like these problems of Scott Pilgrim and sort of project them on yourself and then take that projection and slap it onto the character, uh, that yeah, it is a little bit of a, a sort of betrayal of how things evolved over the course of the original comic, and I, I think it really just goes back to exposing that idea that maybe not 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 even that Brian Lee O'Malley has hangups about his work, but he's, he's, he, he put a lot of himself into the original. Now he's trying to put even more of himself into it. Whether, yeah, yeah, it's conscious or subconscious. Like, I'm not entirely convinced that this is a conscious thing. Yeah, exactly. Like, I, I I think we're maybe being, phrasing it a little harshly in terms of how, how he's Mm -hmm. approaching it. Yeah. Because, I mean, I think, you know, I think, I think he, I think it is a good, I think overall, uh, even though you can, we, we can we can point out the, these little flaws. I think it is a a a good re exploration of of Scott Pilgrim in a lot of ways. But I feel like most of the strong feelings I feel in regards to that issue is from the last episode, uh, 
not necessarily from the entire series. Yeah, it it's really really in your face there. Um, and then there's there's also yeah. you know we look at the way Scott is is depicted. And then there's Ramona. Uh, ostensibly, it focuses more on her for about four or five episodes. Most most of the series. Um, logically in the story it is a little bit of a problem because you know as we know in the original comic book um it spanned a whole year it's each volume moves into a different season or or pass or you know you see the passage of time going on like this um and this is also i guess kind of an issue with the movie too the movie takes place over just a few days and so does this series uh at least in the movie i think it the issue here is that within the short time frame is that Ramona is doing a very large amount of heavy lifting and emotional work for someone that she had just met um, in this universe uh, as if she had like as if her the experiences from the comic were like that she had had like, them. as if she had like had she them had which she did not yeah. Um, yeah. Like, yeah in order for to justify that to she would have like she would have had to be aware of the experiences from the comic and she was not it makes doesn't really make any sense that she would be compelled or i mean if there had been some kind of pretense for her for her to be compelled to do this it would make sense but they didn't even really do that much you just see her doing all this all this investigation all this work and putting off her job working for netflix uh deliveries which did not exist in canada and never did uh which was a um i understand why they made that choice changing it from amazon to netflix but that that's something that um that was a little bit of a weird oversight um, in this, but yeah, the, it's an AU. Yeah. We'll accept it. <laughs> I, I just, it, I just got an idea of like maybe a way they could have handled it a bit better, and maybe a way that I could have like understood this as a story mm-hmm. is if they made it kind of like you know when you play a video game and then you get to play the same game file over again, and the characters don't remember what happened, but the game yeah. does. Th- that would have been like that. It's like yeah. the. the Save plus one. Actually, I was, I was, um, yeah. We, you were thinking that, Bell, when we were watching, you're like, oh, it might be like Scott's extra life or something. Yeah. When I, when oh, I was, yeah, part, yeah, because Scott does have an When extra I was partway life. through, I thought, mm-hmm. I was thinking, like, oh, this is a new game plus. Although in the end, we find it was very much a new game minus <laughs> with, with, with the direction <laughs> Scott goes. Um, but yeah, there was more of a gaming, like a gaming framing device in for a series that is famous for uh its depiction of video games and i think that's an, going back to why scott pilgrim i think had a, made a strong impression on people i think it's because it was a work that really did a good job of capturing the essence of video games and the way people mm-hmm. people play and love and talk about video games which is something that was just rare in western media at that point uh it, obviously and now you get it everywhere yeah, now now you get it everywhere but <laughs> Now but we have Ready there, Player There one. was like the longest, for the longest time, popular culture in movies and comics and books and TV shows always seemed to be at odds with video games. Uh, they never depicted them right, even if the person in charge knew a lot about video games. Getting all the right, all the details right would just be lost in the in the filmmaking process or in the creative process. And it's really just in the last few years that we, we've kind of seen that change. But in, in anime and manga those media are joined at the hips with video games. Uh, video games spent 20 years just knocking off anime, but it was, you know, there's kind of a uh, reciprocal um, relationship there, and video, game, and video games were always really accurately depicted. 
And I think that's something that made Scott Pilgrim special. So I guess I kind of lost sight of that a little bit uh, because that was a really obvious way to to put a video game framing device on it. That's that's a good point. That would have that would have helped. I think, yeah, <laughs> I think that the animated show in general like had a, lost a lot of the like charming little references and stuff too. Like they, I think they did after the first episode they did try to put them in here here and there, but um, Scott Pilgrim is stuffed full of them. They're like every page has something There's on not- it. Like, if it's a reference or if it's a little, like, health bar or if it's, like, some uh, fourth wall breaking comment or something like that. But the TV show almost entirely loses that after the re- they stop following the reference material so It doubles down on the Sonic the Hedgehog references, though. It does. <laughs> you get more Sonic the Hedgehog references than I remember reading the Scott Pilgrim. <laughs> Mentally, I was, like, justifying it as some sort of, like, soulmates thing. Like, with him, her and Scott, because they had, like, the sparkles or whatever. So, like, mentally, I was, like, I understood that Ramona and, like, Scott both thought they were, like, soulmates. Whatever that means in this universe. <laughs> um, but then the fact that they broke up or got divorced, like, at the end. And then, but then they were kind of, like, forced to, like, take each other back because they couldn't, like, rem- forget each other or whatever. I don't, I don't I had a lot of problems with the ending, but... I don't know if it, it hooked up to the soulmates idea that I kind of had. Like, it's not like that was a theme that it had. I was just sort of like, this only makes sense for Ramona to do all these things about Scott if this is something that she thinks. It's like, oh, he's the one or whatever. But then at the end, it's like, oh, she left him just like she left all the others. And it's like, okay. <laughs> and it's her job to pick everything back up. On both yeah, sides. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> on both, yeah, on both sides of the... Uh, <laughs> like on old Ramona and uh, young Ramona, like, uh, okay. As we know, as we've we've discussed, and I think most people know, Scott Pilgrim was adapted into a movie in 20, a live action movie in 2010 by Edgar Wright, who is a director. He, he's from, started doing British TV, like Spaced, and then he did Shaun of the Dead and Hot Fuzz, and he's made a whole bunch of movies since. Um, he, he optioned this movie for live action. Uh, or rather, he, he reached out to Brian Lee O'Malley around the time that the third book came out. Um, and the movie we got was very much mostly based on the first three volumes uh, and just sort of kind of breezes through the, the second half, integrates some of the more important points. So maybe I'll just start by asking, how do you feel that this sort of adaptation or uh, addition to the Scott Pilgrim uh, universe or Scott Pilgrim franchise, uh, how does it compare to the movie? How how would you, how do you feel they compare to each other? Uh, I I get after watching the series that Scott Pilgrim could be a franchise that could have more things. So with those movies and the video game, the the Scott Pilgrim game that we played, we played that too. Um, I don't know. It's it seems like they're trying to build more on the Scott Pilgrim franchise, and that was the major energy that i got after watching this and then yeah you have the movie that obviously the movie is involved in this because it has it references the movie like for half of the show yeah yeah and so i mean edgar wright was involved in this too that's how they're that's how they were able to get the cast back well apparently the cast just had a really good time making this movie back in the day and they have uh they've I, i mean there's some stories about uh, Michael Sarah apparently like messaging the group chat after several years with some meme and then it got them talking yeah. again. I think it's a little bit of an embellishment because they, they have, they, they have <laughs> done like little, 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 little chats and events 
over the years. And I think I they've, they've stayed in contact. I don't think that referencing the movie, like, did a disservice to the show. I thought it was fine. It was just, like, the the energy of L.A. or, like, the Hollywood energy was there rather than the Toronto energy. <laughs> yeah, so I know. we're getting stuff that might happen in L.A. versus stuff That's that might happen true. in yeah. Toronto or Canada. Yeah, it, it referenced a non-existent film town in in the Toronto yeah. area when it's just, oh, this is just... This is just L.A. filmmaking stuff that's being projected in Ontario or in Toronto. Yeah, so I got that. Yeah. That was another essence of, like, current Brian Lee O'Malley. Yeah. Because like, he's, he's very much an L.A. Based guy in now. L.A. Yeah, yeah. So I felt like that was a not very nice uh, addition to, like, just the L.A. vibe rather than the movie references. Yeah, that's that's true. I mean, we, we haven't talked much about how... Actually, I mean, Brian Lee O'Malley lived in L.A. most of the time when he made the original comic. He's, but the comic just captures that that feeling of, of Toronto really well. But now it's... Uh, yeah, 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 it's just, it's I really just all, miss that Canadian... Yeah. We don't get a lot here that's actually set in Canada, which is the problem. And then so you had a bunch of scenes that were in the original comic that weren't depicted. Like, some people might have wanted to go see those landmarks like we did even though some of them are gone because they were in the anime and they're not now. They are. Um, and I think, <laughs> or just yeah. like the, the library wasn't in it. Yeah. They don't, they don't go to the Was reference it? library. You do see legally distinct versions of Sam, the record man and, and honest ads in it. It was the first episode was yeah. good. Like that one was had it, but then the rest of it didn't. Yeah. Well, one thing I liked the, the <laughs> movie, the movie, I mean the movie itself, I think, does the Canadian setting pretty well. Uh, it maybe doesn't capture exactly the vibe that the original comic had, but it's got, you know, it, it's got the original locations. When I listened to the audio commentary for the movie, I, like way back when, uh, some things really stuck with me, like how Edgar Wright was very, he was very, he had a lot of attention to detail uh, to how it was done. Like in the scene where they're, they're watching the Lucas Lee Marathon on Spike TV, originally that was going to be on, uh, on TBS, but then he realized that TBS wasn't available on Canadian cable anymore, and he scrambled to change it at the last minute to Spike TV because he knew Spike TV was available in Canada. And there's a scene of uh, of Scott talking with Stacy when she's working at Second Cup. Uh, but then he he realizes, oh, that set that scene was set at like three o'clock in the morning, and he he did a bunch of research to make sure that there actually was a 24 hour Second Cup that she could plausibly have been working. <laughs> <laughs> while talking to him that's good that's incredible yeah. i like that yeah and i and i mean i th the thing about anime is that it does a very good job of of bringing settings to life uh and you know it, it kind of does it okay in some parts with scott pilgrim takes off but uh again it kind of um again it kind of gives way to like like you said the la-ness of uh yeah of, of where it goes like the 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 post-apocalyptic future definitely fe it feels more like la now <laughs> uh than yeah. toronto in the future um now now that i think <laughs> about it um but that was yeah it, that's kind of an unfortunate thing missing because this was a, I, i'm sure that if science saru had done a more um authentic adaptation that they they really could have brought that that Toronto in the two thousands vibe to life in a really special way. Yeah, and you get you get little little bits and tastes of it in this, but not not nearly as much as uh, 
basically yeah. just in the first like a one to three episodes yeah. and then episode four was like okay we're in not la now yeah ex- for basically the rest exactly of it. yeah yeah it really is i mean it, does this mean that scott pilgrim isn't canadian anymore is he no longer is he no <laughs> longer a canadian folk hero has he been ha, has he been retroactively had those or has he retroactively had those roots removed from him now i uh that didn't occur well, to I me mean, before. it was set these are the questions that we need to ask ourselves. Yeah, that's... <laughs> Sorry, that wasn't even really much about the movie because I can't remember the movie that much, but it was fine. I remember thinking that it was okay yeah. and that people who hadn't read the comic uh, re- liked it better than I did. So here... <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. a good way to put it. I guess it. I rewatched the movie before, so I'll, I'll, I'll give my take. I think it's good. It's okay. Uh, it is very much a novelty, and I think you have to look at it that way. The... I don't yeah. know if you've seen the live action One Piece on Netflix. Um, we watched the first two. Yeah. Episodes. So I, I'm not. I, yeah. I, I really like the live action One Piece. I thought it was great, uh, and I think, I think it has a lot of the same strengths as the Scott Pilgrim movie. Or I think they both have a lot of the same strengths, and that those are both series that should not work in live action and kind of don't work in live action, but you admire the choices that they make to try and adapt it to that media. Uh, and you, you can, that's the best way to admire it is looking at just the craft and how they, how they did everything they could to make this work. It's like, they're not trying to elevate these works into like a movie and they're saying, oh, Scott Pilgrim's a movie now. This is how the masses should interpret it forever. Um, cause ultimately, obviously the movie is how a lot of people discovered Scott Pilgrim, but it, it very much kind of leads people back to the comic. And I think that's. That, that's a really good thing that they did with the way they approached it as an adaptation. It's a lot more like when you adapt something into a stage play. Nobody's trying to make a stage play that takes the place of the original in, like, the cultural conscious. Um, but you have to make a lot of compromises and changes to make it work in that medium. Uh, and I think, I think right. that that same approach goes into, like, the live-action one piece that you also see in the live-action Scott Pilgrim movie. Um, and it's too bad they do, it does kind of shortchange the second half of the series, just because of the way it was developed. Um, but yeah. yeah, but it's, uh, you know, it felt like it was in addition to the comic rather than replacement for the comic. Yeah. Exactly. And I think, I think that's why it works. I think it's great that it got so many people into the comic as well, but it, there is the issue is that I know that I think Brian Leomelli has expressed, expressed this is that that's really what catapulted him into fame. And I think it's another thing that he's had trouble gra- grappling with is that, uh, he, 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 he doesn't like being famous. Uh, I really, I've gotten that impression of him. He, he doesn't know how to handle being famous. Um, cause it doesn't, it doesn't suit the way he approaches things as an artist. Um, that's just kind of the impression I've gotten mm. of him. I, I can't think of a concrete. a lot of pressure. Yeah, a lot of pressure. I can't, I think that's a lot, I think that fuels a lot of his, uh, his feelings looking back at Scott Pilgrim as well. Uh, c- certainly probably why the the movie was highlighted the way it was in that too uh one other thing about one other thing that might be worth mentioning you have this whole subplot in scott pilgrim takes off about a move about a a canadian movie being filmed uh, about scott pilgrim uh and no sign of lisa miller the the canadian actress uh who is kind of forgotten after volume four in the in the original comic that's a little disappointing she's yeah yeah who was she She's like Scott's. She was a love rival. Mm. 
for Scott. Okay. Um, I on actually completely forgot about her character too until I was doing a bit of a bit of rereading. Oh, right. She was like a blonde girl who came in. Yeah, yeah. And she had yeah, yeah. I just looked her up. Yeah, and she's on the number four. I guess it's, is she one of Scott's exes? Uh, she wishes she was, but uh, okay. <laughs> Oh, she's his friend yeah. who was, yeah. Yeah, but he, he, uh... Yeah, I wonder why she wasn't in it. Yeah, That's it's weird. it's kind of weird. It seemed like the perfect opportunity to kind of bring her back, because she wasn't in the movie either. And she even, she even mm-hmm. gets kind she's a little forgotten in the, in the last couple volumes. She gets mentioned, like, once, so... Uh, kind of disappointing that we didn't, with, with so much of the cast being represented and brought back, that she kind of got shortchanged again. A little disappointing. It makes you uh, realize maybe the movie was referenced more than the comic was for making this. Yeah. Well, again, um, <laughs> they had the cast. I, th- I think the movie. Yeah. yeah. I- again, I think the movie is probably still what most people are familiar with, and you know, you could very well watch the movie and then watch this series, and I think it kind of kind of works the same way, more or less, even though there's a few a few details are different. And I think they, I think they very much kept that in mind uh, when they made this. That mm-hmm. people are gonna, because again, because there's no animated series from 2010, like there should have been. Uh, yeah, I feel like that's the hardest part about yeah. all of this. Again, it just it feels like we I missed would, a step. Yeah, like they, they skipped a step to get to this, and I think that also kind of mm-hmm. that kind of hurts it a little bit. Um, I guess what I wanted to bring back to, like, I I think that we could have done with this as like a full Scott Pilgrim anime from start to finish again like i think that could have happened i think it would have done well i think more people would appreciate it but i i feel like this one to me i i can't see people who aren't familiar with scott pilgrim and really enjoying it because it's just i think it requires knowing at least or being familiar with or enjoying the original but maybe that's just me Um, I, i mean i will say again uh even though i know we were very critical i still really enjoyed this show overall i think it's a a great production i think it was a lot of fun to watch i think i enjoyed it a little more than you guys did i think i think i think despite (laughs) these sort of questionable elements that came up in the last two episodes or or are present throughout the whole thing but especially in the last two episodes i I think it's still i I think it's still i I think it's a it's a fun show it is it is to i think i feel it is more scott pilgrim at the end of the day I think it was a kind of a novel way to to find a continuation of it, even though it creates some problems for the original and where where things go after the original ends. I feel like yeah, we just like have a different perspective on it than you, and we just p- possibly consume media in a different way than you because we're also like making our own things. So like we're kind of obnoxious when we watch something, and we don't watch that many things because we're very critical of it when we watch it because we're trying to like deconstruct it. So yeah. that's why a lot of our takes are like kind of from this like creator's point of view of this show. No, I think that's a gr- I and, think it's a great like, perspective to yeah. to bring to this. So, yeah. Yeah. It's hard to turn yeah, off your will, brain is what I said. Yeah. What I <laughs> what I think. I I will say something that I I do really respect about it though is that I really like that they were ambitious enough to do something this radical. Like that it it was like as when you're making something, it's like, I don't, like, right now, I'm, I'm doing ARH again, because we're, uh, we're also we're revisiting our 10-year-old past. And, <laughs> and it's like, I'm, I'm dealing with these blocks of dialogue that I think are extremely verbose and not that good, and I'm like, do I change this? Is it gonna change how people understand this story? Am I retroactively putting my fingers in this as a person who is 
10 years older than the person who originally wrote it. Not that like, same person. Your, your cells yeah, have the, physically turned over many times. I, I'm not the same person who made this. Is it right for me to change this? Should I change this? Is it going to, like, change the story if I change this? Because ultimately, the story I put into the world is no longer a part of me anymore. And changing it is, like, is it is it for me or is it for the benefit of the audience? Um, yeah. So, so I'm looking at it like that, too, where I'm, like, I'm seeing the decisions being made also reflected in my own decision that I'm making at the same time, so... Yeah, I think it's ambitious. Yeah. The, it's the a lot to think about in made. a good way, I think. It, it, this is an adaptation yeah. that takes huge risks. And when you take huge risks, they can either pay off enormously or not pay off at all. And I think even if you don't like the end product, I think I think you can admire this. Sorry, you can at least admire this show as an adaptation or continuation that 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 took some really big risks. And I, I think that's all that's mm-hmm. always uh, that's always commendable, I think. Yeah. Yeah. I completely agree. That is pretty much everything I had to mention. I, I One interesting credit I noticed in this is that Alison Court did the, the Canadian casting. She is uh, best known as, like, the voice of Jubilee from the old X-Men cartoon and Lunette from Big Comfy Couch and Claire Redfield in the Resident Evil games. Oh, her. Yeah. Uh, I, I don't have anything to say about that. I just thought that was a, a really interesting little, um, little credit in there. Um, oh, and... Uh, uh, one other thing, the music, Anamanaguchi, they did the music in the, yeah. um, back in the, in the game and it's great. Yeah. Great job. I loved it all in this, in this show too. Yeah. I love the music too. It was good. Yeah. Music was fantastic. Yeah. And the, I like the opening theme. Some people didn't like it as much. I thought it worked. And the needle drop ending credit songs, all, all bangers. I have zero complaints about any of them. The yeah. Com- oh yeah, the more the Mortal I, yeah the I Mortal made... Kombat the Mortal Kombat version of the Scott Pilgrim song in the final, in the final episode. No. I made us rewind so we could listen to it. <laughs> <laughs> if you do if you do ever decide to watch it again, I recommend the Japanese version. It has some very good voice acting in it mm-hmm. and kind of brings a new Thank you. a little bit of a, a, a new coat of paint to it. That is that is fun. I think. Um, thank you for having us on to talk about this. No problem. Thanks for, for coming on. I think you guys, <laughs> yes, you, you two Jesse. brought a, a really great perspective and I appreciate it a lot. So that wraps us up. Uh, can you two let us know, uh, just what you've worked on lately and where people can find you on social media and the internet? Um, so you can find me, Bell has a bat. I'm on Twitter. I'm also on blue sky, I guess, as the same Bell has a bat. Um, I'm not really doing anything super public right now. I did release a video game uh, last month in October called The Replay Boys, if you want to check that out. That's um, new. Electric Bones 2. <laughs> yes, that's new. <laughs> Electric Bones 2 coming next year. You're allowed to promote something that you made th- a month ago. <laughs> still relevant. <laughs> yeah. Play Replay Boys. Mm-hmm. Um, it's short and it's sweet. Steam. It's on Steam. Um, I am someone who works with Bell on webcomics, so we're hoping to come back with Electric Bones uh, in March. Uh, you can see me hopefully around that time. In the meantime, I'll be working on it behind the scenes, and you can find me on at Raspberry Hazel on Twitter and Blue Sky, and also like on our websites and on Webtoon, electricbonescomic.com, alwaysreadinghere.com. You can check out our comics and read them for free. 
And thanks for tuning in to Zon and Canada. You can reach me on Blue Sky, jbetteridge.bsky.social. I am still on Twitter as well, at jbetteridge. Or you can email me, zonandcanada at gmail.com. The theme song is by Ultra Kleistron. It can be found on his album Packet Flood, which you can find at ultraclaistron.com. Please subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or your podcast app of choice. See you again. Hey,